1: please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time g without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today, back in the Zoom room, my beautiful friend, my sober wifey, the gorgeous Lindell Hunt. How are you, darling?
2: Hi, darling. I'm very good. I'm excited to be back here. I love getting on this podcast and talking recovery with you.
1: It's so good. I have to admit, last night there was a bit of drinking and dialing going on to Lyndall. I called her from my bath with a, a <laughs> cup of dandelion tea. We
2: had a Friday night drink, darling. <laughs> Looks a little different these days. Yeah, I know. I was saying to Lyndall, look, I'm
1: drink-dialing you and I didn't even... Firstly, because it's like, it feels so weird when you just ring someone and don't text. Like, it's just so random. I was in the bath after a massive bike ride. I'm just going to ring Lindell. And anyway, so you're probably one of the only people I ring and you actually just answer like everyone else you've got a text. So I feel like, yeah, I'm drink dialing you and was having a good old laugh saying, yeah, we can rem- we're going to remember everything we talked about.
2: We're going to remember everything we talked about. There's not going to be any guilt or shame in the, the next morning. We're not going to have to go back through the phone and figure out who we called or who we text. We don't have to think about who we offended. How Such to- a gift? It never gets old. I was thinking about this last night after we got off the phone. Like uh, I, you might've thought that after a while, like you and I have both been in recovery for five and a half years now. Obviously I haven't been sober that whole time, but like you might've thought after a while that you just kind of get, this stuff's the normal and you just kind of get used to it. But for me, this shit just never gets old. I know. Just morning without all that guilt and shame and regret never ever gets old. No, and that's one of those things we were talking about last night because you and I get on the phone and we don't just like how's the weather.
1: It's <laughs> like we're in deep. We're, we're usually on the phone for a good two hours. We get deep, <laughs> but we always always end up talking I mean there's always like how's your mum you know all that stuff but then we usually get into recovery conversations and it's so good like it just really fills my cup to talk to you and sometimes I might need to like talk about things which you'll get into later but it's just so good to have that person like your person that you can talk to about your recovery and I don't think we can ever stop talking about it like I've heard some people Saying recently, i was sick to death of talking about it. But I think it's really important to have someone there that you can bounce off and talk about as a reminder, too, as to how good life is and why I'm doing this, and
2: someone just to celebrate and cheerlead your choices with you as well. 100%. And this is why that connection and community is so, so important in recovery. I really honestly believe you've just got to have a sober gang around you and you've got to be hanging out with sober people and talking to sober people. And I certainly understand that point of like, I don't want to keep reliving it and I don't want to keep bringing up the past and all that sort of stuff. Like I understand that, but you and I, when we get on the phone, we're not talking about what we were doing when we were teenage. I mean, we do every now and then we have a laugh about it. We have a laugh about our our drinking, but you and I get on the phone and we talk about recovery. We talk about what we're doing to keep ourselves well. We talk about like what actions we're taking and we talk about some of the struggles that we have in recovery too. Like it's not all smooth sailing for us. So we talk about those things and I think that's what you need to get to a point of doing. Like obviously very early in sobriety, there's a lot of talk about what the drinking was like, what the consequences were, like how it was destructive to your life, how it damaged your life, all that sort of thing. There's a lot of talk about that, but I think then it evolves into talking about recovery and talking about wellness and talking about what am I doing to keep well and how can I stay on track and what else can I be doing to... To fill my cup and to, and to keep me on track. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me feel really rejuvenated when
1: you and I just talk about, you know, just even the positives of it. We're just dissecting something about a certain part of our recovery. It's great. It's, that's why it's so important. And I think some people might think, oh God, does that mean that's all, what I have to talk about forever? Like you said, it's important. It's a part of that ongoing recovery process to keep yourself there, to keep yourself accountable. And just to keep it fresh in your mind and just a reminder why we're doing things because it's we don't want to do things just when the shit hits the fan, which no. is what we're going to talk about today. We want to keep things at an even keel always so that we don't kind of slip off, which is super easy to do. I think this was born out of the conversation we had last night, but today I wanted to talk to you about that kind of trap that you can fall into when everything's good.
2: Definitely. And like you said before, like, I, I think people do think, oh, wow, do I really have to be talking about this for the rest of my life? And do I really have to keep doing this work? But you know, like I always say, my drinking was a, a lot of work. And I did a lot of talking about drinking or talking about not drinking. So <laughs> I was constantly talking about drinking and all of my drinking took a lot of work, all of the lying and the hiding and the all of that dealing with all of that the self-loathing and the, and the hatred and the shame and the, all of that took a lot of mental energy and a lot of work. So I always say I can either work on being a drunk or I can work on being sober and well. <laughs> yes, it does require, like you do have the, to keep talking about it does require work, but it would have required a lot of work for me to keep drinking too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing, like I said, what we're talking about today is the trap of feeling good. And we all want to feel good. There's nothing wrong with feeling good. We all need to feel good. We want that. That's what we're all here for, really, is because we want to feel good. But the trap can be sometimes when we do start to feel good or we feel like I've got this, that's actually a really dangerous time because that's oftentimes when our daily practices, the stuff that we're doing every day to keep us on track can wane. And then once that starts to slip, the mind slips and then everything else slips along with it. So it's a bit, this is a very important conversation, particularly for those who are starting to feel I got this. I don't need that anymore. I don't need my group that I'm with anymore. I don't need this or that. And we're here to tell you today that's a load of bullshit. And it's probably also a bit of the sneaky bitch coming in talking. Yeah, yeah. Well, it can be your addict talking, or I love it with you and I because you're the AA person and I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> the trauma-informed coach it, it, I love this but yes yes Linda you're right you know it's the addict talking it's the sneaky bitch talking it's that part of you that kind of wants to draw you away from what it is that you're doing that's actually keeping you well so I know like I just had this trip around Australia and I'm home now and it's great and I'm well and truly back into my routine but was funny with me that I noticed that when I was away, my whole daily, my daily yoga nidra and all this stuff that I do and my journaling, stuff that I do every day, started to slip a little bit. I was still doing some stuff like I do this yoga practice I do every morning and doing a bit of breath work, but not as much as I was. Yeah, Everything I was doing it, but not as much as I normally was because I felt really great. And I didn't have all the daily stresses that would be there normally that would elevate my nervous system a bit Mm -hmm. that wasn't working I wasn't doing podcast I wasn't on social media very much and I was just me and the family and we're in nature so I'm kind of thinking this is amazing I feel really good Mm -hmm. and I did feel good I felt great and I certainly didn't feel like alcohol apart from one day when we got to Broome and we walked into a seafood restaurant and I just it wasn't big it was just this moment of oh white wine would be nice and I told Ash straight away, I'm like, oh my God, guess it just happened. And he had a similar thing too. So it was good to be able to talk about that with him. Thank God I had a got my little buddy. But I digress because as that goes on and this trip goes on, it's an amazing time. Also probably not getting the time to myself that I usually would get, funnily enough, because I'm not working and doing all those things that I usually that take up a lot of my time. You know what? I, was, I just realized too, I wasn't even reading any self-help books because I'm always reading something or learning something. I decided to read fiction and all these things that I usually do to keep myself on track just slowly started to slip off. So by the end of the trip, I noticed a bit of shitty thinking had started to come in a little bit, like started to get a bit niggly with Ash and getting niggly with the kids and my, my kind of resilience to things that wouldn't bother me so much normally was just starting to aggravate me. I was just getting aggro. It's really interesting. And then by the time I got home and we're about to be back into our house again, like I really was just, yeah, becoming a bit of a beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was because I, I realized straight away, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not doing the daily practices. And that's when I got on the phone to you and we had a chat about it. And yeah, and that's why it's so important because you realize once, it's not that you, you're like, I was lucky to go and drink, but it's just that the mind starts to fall apart a bit when we're not doing the daily practices.
2: Definitely. And I think this is a really, really good example to share on the podcast because you, Danny, really set a gold standard for your daily practice and for your wellness and for looking after yourself and you really lead by example in terms of like the work that you do and you really are like yeah, you set the gold standard for how to do this, how to how to do wellness and how to do I mean you've been pretty like i use the word religious about your recovery and your program put it, since the start. And I think it's just such a good example of even somebody who is as religious as you with all of your work and all of your input and you have everything that you do to keep yourself well, as soon as that slips a little bit, that shitty thinking can come back in. And the relapse happens well before you pick up a drink. And this is where it starts is when this shitty thinking comes back in. And yeah, you start getting a bit prickly and life starts getting, you know, you start getting a bit irritable with people. If you don't catch that, and look, it may take months between then and, or even years between that point that point and a drink, but if you don't catch that at that stage and sort of correct that and get back on track with your doing your work and stuff, then that is a one way to get back to the drink. So I think it's it's such an important message. I know that you and I bang on and on and on all the time about how hey, you got to do the work, you got to do the work, you got to do the work, but... This is such a good example because even after five and a half years of religiously doing the work, you're not immune from this stuff. You're not immune from yourself, basically. Yes, You're not immune from that falling back into it. And I love always referencing that podcast you did ages ago with Ben Shiller, your friend who's the, the psychologist, and he talked about that running track in your mind when you get into Recovery, there's this well-worn running track that you've been running around on forever. And when you get into recovery, it's like you you're creating a new running track and it's those new neural pathways and whatever, whatever. And you asked him in that episode of the podcast, you said, why is it that people, even after like 30 years of sobriety, they go back to drinking and they go back to drinking the way they were? And his response was that old running track never goes away. And I think this is the really message is that even after. For someone like you who's been really diligent about your own program and how you work it and your, and your wellness, even after five and a half years, your running track's still there. You're not immune from this stuff and you can so easily just slip back into that shitty thinking and the shitty thinking will lead to a drink if you don't correct it. Yeah. I can always hear some people that
1: will be listening to this podcast going, well, fuck, what does this mean? I'm always going to have to do this stuff. Kind of the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not bad stuff. It's not like you're going and smashing yourself with alcohol and toxic, noxious, noxious poisons and then waking up feeling sick. I mean, I would much rather have to meditate and, and journal and do all these things every day to look after myself and my yoga nidra than having to nurse myself through a hangover every day. I'm like, it's really clear to me. I don't ever want to have to deal with a hangover ever again. And God willing, I never will. It's actually that you get to do this for yourself too. So um, I'm really conscious too that people might think, oh, no, that's a drag. But perhaps they're not even doing it yet. and thinking it seems like that's too much. But it is. Once you're in the swing of it again, it just feels like this beautiful gift. And I'm just so grateful that it's an easy track for me to get. That's my well-worn path too. It's easy for me to get back there. I feel great. feel amazing. It's such a gift that you get to give yourself to just... Do things that support you and nurture you and and just keep you on an even keel, particularly if you're one of those people like me. I, I'm, I am a little prone to moods and, and mood swings and I can be all over the shop a bit sometimes, so I just need it. One thing I, I soon figured out about myself that coming from a fair bit of chaos with an addicted parent in my childhood, I needed stability as a kid and I didn't really get that except from one parent from my dad, but I still need it now. So even though I might be drawn to that, the chaos and a bit of the drama, I actually, I need the opposite. So I need stability, and who can provide that stability for me? No one but me. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I and look, I have sponsees as well that, and and even people that I coach that say to me as well, like, oh, yeah, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? And yeah, the answer is yes. But like you say. It's not, like, for me, it doesn't feel like work anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm, oh, God. Like, in the early days, it was like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to get trainings and I've got to speak to my sponsor and I've got to do da 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 These days, I, I I loved how you put it, like, this is a gift. I get to do this stuff. I get to do this stuff and the payoff, the reward for that is that I have an incredible life. The alternative, I, I don't have to do, like, I could make a choice here. The alternative, if I don't do this work, is... I'll likely pick up a drink again. And like I said before, that drinking all took a lot of work. So I can choose to fall back into that and keep drinking for the rest of my life and live a shitty miserable fucking existence. Or I can choose to do this. And after a while, yeah, the work doesn't feel like work anymore. It doesn't. It's just, it's a part of it. It's just what I do. It's just like, it's just like taking a shower and cleaning my teeth every day. It's just stuff that I do look after myself it doesn't feel like it's work it is the reward for doing it the reward is that I feel good and I have a great life yeah absolutely and it's really important that the work also more
1: often than not it is just those things that support yourself the things that support your nervous system that's what it is for me and I'm I know it's different for everyone but for me it's making sure I do yoga nidra every day making sure I'm walking and moving my body every day doing some kind of breath work, just something, even if it's breathing and being consciously with my breath as I breathe in and out, perhaps some journaling, all the things that make me feel good, but I have to do them. And so, again, though, it's not when we start to feel shit that we want to do them, it's that we want to keep making sure that we're doing them all the time. It's just so quick that it can happen too, like all of a sudden, it can be like, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good, no, I don't need that. And I, I hear it all the time, believe me, with my work, with coaching people, that they'll even say, "No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't done yoga nidra for a while because I've been feeling really good, or I've just been too. I'm feeling good, and then I'm getting too busy. Like I'm too busy for it. But I know it's there, and then I just sort oh, of like, Oh no, don't say it, don't say it,' because. And then I try and encourage them to get back to that path of doing those things, even though they feel good, because I just know how the mind unravels so quickly, and then it's just a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope back there. So stay on track, even if you feel good, even if you feel amazing, make sure you're still doing the work. So just check in, like, am I still doing all the stuff that I did at the start or am I still doing something that supports my nervous system every single day? Mm -hmm. Not once a week, not once a month, every single day. How am I supporting myself? How am I looking after myself? What am I doing for my recovery and to keep myself well? So it's different for everyone. How does yours look, Lyndall? Tell me, obviously you're doing with your AA 12-step program. What keeps you on track?
2: Yeah, so like I have a, a daily routine that includes things like prayer and meditation and daily readings and from AA literature. I obviously talk to you on a regular basis and I talk to other sober people that I know on a regular basis. But I think that's really important is remaining connected and being in that sober gang. Just being to an 8.30 meeting this morning on a weekend and this is like, what a beautiful way to start the day. I get to talk recovery for an hour with the other recovering alcoholics. Like how much better to start the day rather than waking up hating on myself. Such a gift.
1: I guess it's just keeping active in it, isn't it? It's just like keeping active and keeping on reminding yourself that...
2: Yeah, I, I need this. And obviously people
1: are at different levels. It's different for everybody, obviously, like what we need to do and, and how we keep ourselves well. But I just think the message today is just make sure you're doing something every day and notice if it's starting to slip. See, here's the trap too where maybe I shouldn't even say that, Lyndall. Maybe that could maybe send out the wrong message that if I say just do something every day. I mean, it is good to do something every day, but I was still doing something every day on my trip. Yeah, I learned a great lesson. I learned a really good lesson on that trip was that I don't just have to do it like when I'm doing a lot of work or when there's a lot of stress, like stressors stressors in life, but I just need to keep on continually looking after myself because my nervous system is a little bit geared towards being quite activated Mm -hmm. and the mind can get quite busy. So I realized that I need to do things that keep me slow, keep me steady, even when I'm not surrounded by a lot of go, go, go stuff that's going on, if that makes sense. So yeah. maybe it isn't just do something every day, like keep your good routine up that keeps you supported, that keeps you well, and that keeps you most importantly, sober. And just because we're on holiday to our recovery doesn't take a holiday. It's really important. One of the new members of the current challenge group I'm running, bless her, she's just gone to Bali and was struggling a bit, of course, and also she's just really early in a sobriety too. But we've sort of been encouraging her, and I sent her the podcast I did with Tara McCarthy when she went away to Bali, mm. and I'm actually getting a few messages from people too, funnily enough. Saying I think a lot of people are going over to Bali now, and so a lot of people have reached out to me too to say, oh my god, I'm in Bali and I'm struggling and. It's the same thing, isn't it? Just because you're on holidays, your recovery doesn't take a holiday. So, still do the stuff. Bali is also an amazing place to be able to dive into wellness. Like it's one of those places where you can get the most amazing food and beautiful yoga and beautiful meditation and spiritual place too. So, yes, a place for recovery. Absolutely, it's great. So, doesn't need to. You don't need to go to Bali to smash bintangs and fuck yourself up on a scooter. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So no matter where you are, no matter where your holiday may take you, just because you're feeling good, don't let that practice slip. Stay with it. And I think that's the best way to stay on track. So just notice if you are starting to bargain with yourself or I don't need that. Lyndall and I are going to have another chat in the next couple of weeks about the the different stages of a relapse, which is going to be really good, obviously leading on from this conversation. Another thing I find too, if you're wanting to draw away from your community, again, it's just... Could it be the sneaky bitch looking for reasons to become offended with people, looking for reasons to not turn up are all ways in which that sneaky little bitch gets in and gets into the mind and tries to draw us away from what's actually keeping us well?
2: Definitely. And I think the thing to consider here as well is a lot of the thoughts and the behaviours and the actions and the beliefs and all that sort of stuff started well before we started drinking, right? And you've done a lot of work in this area, Danny, by studying with Gabor and understanding the how childhood affects us in our adulthood and all that sort of stuff. But all of the limiting beliefs and the core wounds and, and all of that stuff that really shapes a lot of our thoughts and behaviours and actions all starts well before we actually started drinking, right? So that shitty thinking has been there for forever, That shitty thinking and the things like carrying resentments and anger and falling into self-pity and all of those sorts of things happened well before we started drinking. And what happens is when we drink, that's usually, for most problematic drinkers, that the drinking is the solution to the the emotional unmanageability that goes on in our minds. Mm -hmm. So what we've got to remember when we get sober is that we can put down the drink, but we're still there. We take ourselves with us wherever we go. So Mm -hmm. that's what's got to change. And this is why, again, you and I bang on all the time about how we've got to work on ourselves and really change the way we think and change our outlook on life and all of this sort of stuff. But if you don't keep up with that stuff, you fall back into that thing. It's not about the alcohol. Like you just fall back into that shitty thinking that's been there since you're a kid, most likely. The alcohol was just the band-aid for that for a long time. And yeah, you, you fall back into that. You, you, you're going to take yourself with you wherever you go. So, this journey really is about changing these lifelong habits and these lifelong beliefs and these lifelong behaviors. And so, yeah, it does require work, but it's like if you set yourself a goal that you want to lose 10 kilos. And so, you start exercising and you're eating really well and whatever, da da da, and you lose the 10 kilos and you're feeling really great and clothes are feeling a bit better and people making comments that you look better. And so life's good. You don't just stop at that point because otherwise you're going to put the kilos back on, right? If you slip back into your old eating habits and you're not exercising as much, the kilos are going to come back on. Absolutely. And it's exactly the same with recovery. There's got to be maintenance. Like we've got to keep doing this. And exactly like you said before, Danny, it's no good sort of bouncing along in life and going, oh yeah, life's really wonderful. So I don't need to do this work anymore. And I I don't need to stay connected and I don't need to help other people and I don't need to stick with my program anymore. You get to that point of emotional unmanageability. It might start off with, like you mentioned, about feeling a bit cranky with the husband or the kids or whatever. And it leads into you sitting outside a bottle shop and you go, oh, fuck, I'm here again. Maybe I should do some, like, I know that if I've gotten to that point where I'm sitting outside a bottle shop, I'm always done at that point. Like, it's too late to be then going, oh, well, maybe I should do some step work. <laughs> maybe I should call my sponsor. Like, I've got to keep doing this stuff every day so that I don't get to that point of sitting outside the bottle shop. shop. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that, just going back to what you said before about these core beliefs
1: and these core wounds that we have and when we're feeling good Those things are still there and so sometimes it's like a form of self-sabotage too when we're feeling good and then we're drawn back into that old behaviour because those old behaviours and those old patterns, they are there, they're part of us but we want to realise when they are starting to arc up a bit and then how do we respond to them. One great thing that Gabor says that often addiction is just a misguided attempt at trying to soothe your own suffering Mm -hmm. and it's so true, like it's 100% true We want to be able to identify when our little mind or our little wounded part is trying to drag us back to the old familiar sufferings. sometimes that we've had that we've sort of tried to manage, but we're so used to them too. I actually did an amazing coaching call the other day with someone who said that she always gets to a certain point and then bang, self-sabotage and then she's back drinking again and it slowly creeps up and it always starts the same way just by not doing the work, not doing the work on herself and then before she knows that she's drinking again mm-hmm. back in the cycle. And it was interesting, we did some compassionate inquiry work around that and then found that in her childhood, she was in an abusive situation in childhood and her mum would pack up the stuff and they'd go to a safe house and the mum would be like, right, we're, we're changing, we're not going back there anymore. And then the next day, their mum's gone back to the partner and they're back in this abusive situation again and the pattern. And also what's the core belief, the core belief that this little girl would have made, because kids make everything about themselves. Well, what did you make that mean about yourself? And then it was just like this moment where she's like, that I'm not worthy of a good life.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And like, wow. And there's just then this moment of seeing this pattern, like, wow. And that's, that's why we, when we can understand our core wounds, we're able to be liberated from them because we can see them. We can see where they're showing up. So how do we respond to those parts of us when they're showing up and those old parts that want to draw us back to chaos, want to <laughs> draw us back to even fucked up shit, like that makes us feel really unsafe but we can be drawn back to it because that's what we're used to. Yeah. So That's why this work is so important and it's so healing too to be able to realise when those things are coming up, oh, I'm going back to my old familiar. Yeah, and it always usually happens when we're in a good place.
2: It always happens when we're in a good place. And I think that's such an important point because there's quite often a lot of fear around getting well too because it's unknown. I remember when I was going through my steps with my sponsor the most recent time. So after I had that last relapse and I was going through the steps. And I got to step nine, and i I just stalled on that. I was like procrastinating on doing step nine, making my amends. And I remember having a conversation with my sponsor one day. she was kind of cracking the whip a bit, and she's like, "Come on, Linda, what are you doing?" And I was like, "You know what? I, I think there's I think there's a bit of fear, like, what if I do all of this stuff and I actually get well? Like no mm-hmm. like there was a bit of fear around that because it's unknown. Like for such a long time, I've been, in this identity of having a drinking problem and always having chaos around me and all of the, this stuff. So, well, what? Well, that's a bit scary. Like, what happens if I, I do this and I actually get well? How am I going to feel sorry about myself then? <laughs> you oh, know? my God. Talk like, about getting honest. Like, that's really getting honest with yourself, too. Like, yeah. but that it's so common that that happens. I think people start to feel well and they get a bit scared. There's fear around it. And then, and then they do get drawn back into exactly like you're saying, drawn back into these old habits because it's comfortable. And it's like, there's comfort in familiarity. It's like, uh, Nicola Perra talks about that in her book, how to do the work. There's comfort book. in familiarity, even if it, even if we know it's making us unwell. Yeah, that's so true. Yes. That's exactly right.
1: And I think maybe if you are drawn to a bit of self-sabotage, particularly around the time when you're doing well, and then suddenly you find yourself back to where you started, maybe ask those questions like, could it be an an old wound, a core belief that I have about myself that I'm not worthy of a good life, that I'm not worthy of joy and happiness and success? And identifying that could just be what you need to liberate yourself, to say, ah, that's just that old chestnut coming up again okay and because like we say Lindell, just because we're having a thought doesn't mean we have to believe
2: it exactly yeah exactly identifying those old beliefs and and if you can identify those nearly always they're going to have started well before you actually started drinking so this is where we've got to recognize that the drinking was the solution to this emotional unmanageability the the in the mind the drinking was the band-aid for a really long time and it worked really well probably in the start and then it obviously becomes maladaptive. We all know that story. But in tapping into this, like what was going on before we actually even started drinking? Because that's always going to be there unless you do some healing.
1: Yeah, amazing.
2: Gosh, you are so amazing. And one thing I
1: think about your journey and obviously it's very well documented on this podcast But I always think, fucking hell, if Lyndall can do it, like, I can't imagine how scared you must have been, like, when you're in hospital on that drip, having those horrible withdrawals and going through that detox, and to go from drinking every single day from when you wake up in the morning. Fuck, man, if you can do it, anyone can do it. Anyone, if you're listening to this and you feel like you can't find a way out of it, you can do it. You absolutely can do it. It's just reaching out to the right people, like, Lindell reached out to the AA and went and got help through a doctor, and went through detox, all those things. There's always help available if you need it. So believe me, if you're feeling like there's just no way out of this, there absolutely is. And don't let yourself get to where, say, Lindell got to, where you're it's life or death stuff. But even if you are there, you can get out of it. So I'm so yeah. proud of you for all the work that you've done and you're so fucking brave and the, your commitment to your own wellness is incredible. So thank you. And thank you again for your time, just sharing what you know and your knowledge and everything that you're doing in the space. And also if anyone wants to reach out to Lyndall, just hit her up at the sobriety gym on Instagram. She's also running an amazing program, a 30 day program on relapse recovery. Uh And it's a great program. I think for anyone that's going through relapse, I think it's a great step forward. I don't offer a relapse program because I've never relapsed. So it's good to work with someone who's been where you're at. So I think that if anyone's yeah had, had a significant relapse, reach out to Lyndall because she may be able to help you. If not through her program, then maybe another avenue that she might be able to direct you into, which could help. So thank you, my
2: darling. Thank you, darling. Thank you for your very kind words and uh, and right back at you, darling. I'm so proud of you too and I just absolutely love what you do in this space. It's so needed and it's so important and you're just incredible. And I am really committed to this, but I also know that like, yeah, I've got to keep working on this and and just having the aware, the last thing I just wanted to say was just about like having the awareness if you're in that feel good trap it, it is such a trap where you just feel good and you think you don't need to do this stuff anymore but having the awareness around like you like you did Danny and it, it creeps up on me all the time I had a couple of months ago I I was starting to fall into an emotional relapse and same thing as you like I was just starting to get a bit irritable people were pissing me off I was getting you know the anger was cropping up and I know what to do now like uh, the great thing is I have awareness so I know what to do but uh, I, I sort of almost went a little bit the the other way. I kind of was like, oh, my God, I like up my meetings and I was doing all this stuff. I said, da, 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 da. like I went into control mode, like I went into sort of damage control mode and was trying to control how I felt. And I think that you, you can go a little bit too far with that as well, because the other thing is you talk about this a lot, Danny, when stuff's coming up, it's coming up for a reason and we do need to allow it and we need to allow it to to pass through and I think that was a good lesson for me because I went into damage control I was trying to control how I felt and the more I was trying to control the worse it got and instead I just needed to be aware of it and make sure I was doing my work but just allow it to pass through as well but yeah it's uh, important yeah because
1: we don't want to end up in avoidant behavior either even Uh, though you probably didn't realize it. So a little great practice too that I could probably share on the podcast right now is just to give some tenderness and compassion to that part that's showing up. So I was telling you about a a friend of mine that's sort of given me a bit of the cold shoulder and how it's hit my stuff a little bit and previous Danny from her old life would have spent days and days like not sleeping and all churned up in the belly and that would really bother me. And Now what I can do is realize that that part of me that feels a bit rejected or feels a bit like insecure about that is showing up. And I just sort of literally just give that part of me some love and I might even put my hand on my chest. I did it out by the fire the other night and I literally just say, it's okay. It's okay. And whatever is going on for that person has nothing to do with me. Even if I've done something that's upset them, I can't control their reaction to something that I've done and hopefully it will all come out in the wash. But I just have to give myself some compassion. Also, I don't know the story that's going on. Also, something terrible could be happening for them. I just don't know because we personalize things and it can hit an old wound in us that we can get really upset. So if something's coming up for us, to give it some space and awareness, to go, oh, this is upsetting me a bit at the moment. This is happening for me. And I literally try and tune in to my insides and just go, like I'm giving myself a hug. and like, shh, it's okay, it's okay. And then try and just be with that. And it really works. It just soothes. It's very soothing. And to realize we don't have to fight with all the things that are coming up for us. We can just be with them Mm -hmm. and then certainly give them what they need after that. It might need to then go and do some practice around that. But maybe in the moment, just to be with the, the feeling that's coming up and
2: give ourselves a break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And remember to find joy too. Yeah. And this is one thing I, I say to sponsees a lot, like just to try and remember to find joy in life. We take all this stuff so seriously and it does, it is serious because it is, for a lot of people it can be from death and so it is serious, but we've got to remember to bring the joy back into our lives and, you know. Literally. Literally. Yes, I was talking to Lizzie Turner about this the other day because I'm like, I need to socialise
1: a bit because I'm always so like, I don't know, like I'm just not socialising as much. So she's organising this thing called Benders, it's Really cool Friday night bender, followed by a recovery in the morning of jumping in the ocean. But the bender is getting together with people in Brunswick Heads and doing a really nice easy yoga class and just have, being social, but having a bit of fun. And her partner Shane is really great at during a yoga class, he might just start moving and like maybe just sneak in a bit some like weird dance moves or just fun and you know everyone's just just getting silly. It's just so important to get a bit silly and have some and we do want to take our recovery seriously but we want to have joy and fun and all the things like just all the things like experiencing all the emotions that come up yeah joy the sadness the rage the fear all of it's all there to enjoy yeah when we're not pushing it all down with booze absolutely absolutely amazing darling and just in closing again the whole point of this conversation is to just notice if I'm feeling good if I'm Having the pink cloud am I letting my daily practices slip. Because if I am, try and get back in. It's a bit of a warning alert here. Yeah, don't get yourself into the danger zone by because you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And also don't be hard on yourself if you are, because we all we all we're all up and down. Just like you said, like with me, I tend to set the bar high, but I'm not perfect either. And so we all need reminders. We all sometimes need the shittiness to come in too as a reminder. I don't really thank that that it came in and was like good reminder.
2: Oh, 100%. I definitely don't work my program perfectly either, but I do. I take action every day and I'm consistent and I do it to the best of my ability. But yeah, I don't do it perfectly, but it's okay. If you miss a day of meditation, that's okay. Or if you don't journal on one day because you forgot, that's okay. Just do it the next day. Just pick it up and keep going. Yeah, that's it. Keep it up. Keep going. yeah. Just because you've missed one day of your daily routine doesn't mean you've fucked the whole scenario for yourself. We don't have to catastrophize. It's not the end of the world. Just pick it back up if you find yourself falling into that shitty thinking or even if you're finding is that you've gone further than that and you're actually starting to think about drinking that's okay you can get back on track you can't you've done it before you can get back on track you just pick up and yeah it's like and it's all learning I loved what you said too like that couple of months ago when I was having that sort of shitty time that bit of falling into a bit of an emotional relapse like it, it was a good lesson for me was a good yep. reminder for me that I've got to stay on top of my stuff and that this is these are gifts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All these things are just little gifts, especially when we have a little bit of a challenge. It's like, ah, okay, good reminder. Great. Thank you. Rather than beat yourself up. I just wanna say one other thing. Sorry, I keep adding and adding to this. You keep <laughs> saying stuff and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a good point too. It was
2: yeah, good point. <laughs> this is why we talked about the phone for a bit of time. <laughs> I don't know.
1: If anyone gets to the point where they are thinking about having a drink and like you said, and that's okay, it's really important at that point to reach out to someone. If you're feeling shame around that, that's just the, that's also the sneaky bitch. So we want to ignore that shame and just reach out to someone, have a really good chat. Once you can reach out to someone and and have that really good, honest discussion and just kind of break it all down, that will help you get back on track. It's just sometimes having that conversation. But you want to do that before you're down in the fruity-lexia, you know?
2: (laughs) I mean, even if you have, just pick up the phone and call somebody. Like we said earlier in the podcast, there's always, always help available in many different forms, whether it's through somebody like yourself, Danny, with coaching or me or through AA or through any, like there's countless other options available for people to help. But if you've relapsed and you've picked up a drink and you're full of all of that shame because you've gone back to that, that's okay. It's okay. You can get back on track and people are always available. Obviously, everyone who's followed this podcast and knows my story knows that relapse is a big part of my story. And every single time I've walked back into an AA room after a relapse, people have just been there to welcome me with open, loving arms. And they say, welcome back, Lindell. We're glad you're here. No No one has ever gone oh, well, you're fucking hopeless. You, you're never going to get this. You may as well. <laughs> like no one's ever said shit like that and no one would. They're just always like, we're so glad you're here, Lyndall.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff.
2: Thank you, darling. That's right. Uh, what a great chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me back on. Always. I love it. i
1: look forward to our next chat. And so also, yeah, just in closing. Un- <laughs> Sorry, just in <the> closing. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> If anyone is interested in this Friday night bender, it's on the uh, August the 11th with Missy mm-hmm. and Shane Turner, I will be there. And I think if you're around the Northern Rivers area, come, even if you're not the Northern Rivers, get on a plane or drive your car up. It's going to be unreal. So it's going to be like a bit of a get together and chat, a bit social. Bit of yoga, which is just like, they are so not pushy. These guys, like they make yoga just so fun and so doable. And I've got injuries all over and you just do what you can do. It's not about trying to stand on your head ever with those guys. It's just very soft and gentle. And then a few good tunes, good catch-ups. And then the next morning we have a recovery, heading down to the beach, hopefully my beach here, and watching the sunrise, bit of breath work and jumping in the ocean.
2: oh that just sounds so amazing it's not the kind of bender it used to be no but I'm okay with
1: that (laughs) that's amazing so if anyone is interested in in that in bender or coming up for bender or coming along probably the best thing is to go to at Lissy Turner on Instagram L-I-S-S-I-E Turner I'll also put links in the show notes for this podcast so and hopefully that will become an ongoing thing
2: thanks for having me on Thank you so much. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.